You may be seated. country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and lo the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid but the angel said unto them fear not for behold we bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord and this shall be a sign unto you you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Luke 2, 8-14. Great job. Thank you guys. Appreciate you doing that. So the uh, events of that exciting night happened 2,000 years ago, and in just a few days, uh, we are going to wake up way too early and probably won't even get out of our jammies before we start uh, exchanging and giving each other presents to celebrate what happened uh, that night in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. After all, there's only three more sleeps till Christmas, if you get that Muppets reference. Um, it's happening. It, it's this week. And uh, for some of you, that's kind of a rude wake-up call. You're realizing like, oh my goodness, I got to finish all of my Christmas shopping. This is the uh, time of year when Starbucks makes a killing off of the frantic and frazzled men. Let's just be honest, it's mostly dudes uh, showing up at the last minute trying to get all of that done. Listen, I just want to encourage you. I, I, wanna, I actually want to help you understand, like, you don't need to feel bad about that because Thanksgiving was really late this year, uh, which means it's not entirely our fault, okay? So I just want you to feel better about yourselves in that. But for some of you, that means uh, you've been waiting for like what feels like forever, and uh, you, you've been in eager anticipation of Christmas arriving. In fact, I, I just want to ask, how many of you, okay, this is a moment to be honest, you're in church, God is watching, uh, how many of you have already snuck into and peeked at your Christmas presents? Shame on you. I knew there'd be a few. Uh, okay, how many of you at least know what you're getting already? All right, be honest, be honest. Okay, yeah. So we're not very good at waiting, are we? Um, Honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why it's been such a special thing for us to uh, really take a look at the Advent. The Advent season reminds us that what the angels declared to uh, the shepherds that night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago um, really was good news because the wait was finally over. Uh, the, the promised Savior had uh, arrived. And uh, for us having to wait for a few weeks until uh, Christmas arrives, uh, might give us just a little bit of a taste of that, that the, the relief and the joy and excitement uh, of the Old Testament prophecies finally being fulfilled. It had been a long time, and uh, Christmas uh, really is kind of that, that the, the, the sense of waiting uh, reminds us of what that waiting must have been like. But I think it also reminds us that even right now, we're waiting. Because we're still waiting for God to come again. Jesus promised that he was going to return. And there are just so many 
blessings uh, because of his coming. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to um, look in our Bibles. I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3. Uh, in fact, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to have one in front of you. So our ushers are coming around right now. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can just get their attention, and they'd love to give you one. If you don't own a Bible, just take that one home with you. It's a, a gift from us to you. We'd love for you to have that. Or you can follow along with us on the Bible app. And we are going to be in John chapter 3. And what we've been doing, this is now our fourth Sunday um, in Advent. And I am going to get a little crazy here. I am going to light our Advent wreath, okay? So, so this could end our service real quick. Uh, just keep an eye on this thing for me, all right, while we're doing this. But uh, what we've been learning is we've been celebrating and remembering what Christ's coming really brings to us uh, that Christ's coming brings us hope. And Christ's coming brings us peace. And His coming brought us joy. And today we see that Christ's coming brings the love of God. Um, so I am really looking forward to... Uh, having my kids all gathered around the living room on Christmas morning. And uh, we, we have our own traditions. I'm sure you would do as well and try to make memories. We get to read the Christmas story. We sing happy birthday to Jesus. And, and um, we get to exchange some presents. But the reason that moment is so special is because of the love that we have for one another in our family. And I uh, know that you are going to probably be gathering together with some loved ones um, I'm aware that some of you are probably remembering uh, loved ones, but I want to encourage you that there's an even deeper love that we can experience because of Christ, because he came. And it's, in fact, this is why he came. And so what I want to do right now is normally this is my time to read um, uh, scripture, but uh, I want to read this together. And so we're going to be looking at just one verse today, and uh, we're looking at John 3.16. John 3.16. Now, some of you probably have that memorized, uh, and so I realized that, that we probably memorized it in all sorts of different versions, but uh, I would love for us to actually read this out loud together if we can do that. In fact, uh, I'm going to be reading from the correct version you can read or recite from whatever, it, I'm just kidding, whatever you got, uh, but I did put it up here on the screen so that we can all read it uh, together if you would. So uh, instead of me just reading this, why don't we say this out loud together, be reminded of what Christmas really brings to us. Uh, so let's read this together, all right? John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So this is probably one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, obviously the most famous summary of the gospel. And I think what this does is is helps us put Christmas into perspective and uh, really remind us of what the purpose of Jesus' coming was really all about. And there's so much in this verse. What I want to do is just kind of unpack uh, three gospel truths that we see here. Three gospel truths. Kiddos, um, you're going to want to pay attention here if you want that treat. Here, here, here's, uh, I'm, I'm going to put it on the screen, so I'm helping you out so you can take notes this morning, all right? Uh, so, so here is our first gospel truth that we see in this. It's this. God loves you. 
God loves you. I think some of you might just need to hear that. Um, I was thinking about this week. We, there, there's so much uh, pressure that we feel uh, to try to be somebody so that we can be uh, accepted and so that, so that we can be loved. I mean, we, you, there, there's the pressure of you got to have, you know, like a respectable career and uh, you got to have a respectable position in your office and, and, and you got to have an impressive track record in the office and you got to dress a certain way. You got to dress for success. You got to dress for the future. You got to dress for the, the, the job that you want, not just the, the job that you have, right? And you you got to make sure that everybody knows just how crazy your schedule is. And, and uh, you got to be as busy, if not busier, than everybody else. And you got you to make sure that you look like you can handle that kind of a crazy schedule. And you got to have a, a hot profile pic. And, and you got to have a, you got to find a beautiful wife or a, a stud husband and then, then you got to get a photographer who makes you look like you just got this storybook marriage out of a magazine and, and you got to have perfect kids and you, you, you got to live in the best school district and give your kids the best opportunities so that they're really well-rounded, get them involved in all these activities and your home needs to look like Chip and Joanna decorated it and, and you need to know your way around uh, Trader Joe's and how to make a charcuterie board and you got to know how to pronounce that word correctly. Did I say it right? Is that, is that, I don't know. Well, and, and, and you got to have all your political opinions formed and, and get involved in all the right causes and reduce your carbon imprint and save some turtles and volunteer and do community service and, and, and get right, involved in all the right causes and make an impact in the world and all while maintaining this chiseled physique of a model and, and you got to work out on your Peloton bike and have a flat stomach and celebrate your CrossFit goals and, and all of these things that you're doing, you got to make sure that you post about them so that people actually know and can see how awesome you really are. Because if you did it, but you didn't post about it, then you kind of wasted it, right? And, and, and you're scrolling through constantly, comparing yourself to what everybody else is doing and what they've got going on. And, and, and I think we're constantly just bombarded with messages from our culture about what we have to do and what we have to have and who we have to be if we're going to be accepted, if we're going to be loved. And one of the reasons it's so hard for us is that, quite honestly, none of us measure up. I mean, the more you compare yourself, sometimes the more depressed you feel. Like our stuff is, is never enough or it's not up to date. Our hair, or lack thereof, uh, never really looks the way we want it to. We don't really like looking at the mirror. Uh, don't like looking at the scale anymore. And... People don't seem to notice our successes um, because uh, they're too concerned with their own lives, what they got going on, so they don't even really care. And if somebody were to drop by our house unannounced, we would just be totally embarrassed by the state of our home. And uh, maybe, maybe we're still waiting to find the one, and, and, and dating just feels like a disaster, and you just feel lonely. Or, or maybe that storybook marriage that started off so great has just kind of slowly drifted into 
um, you know, a, a little bit of a disappointment. Not horrible, but not exactly what you thought it was going to be. And it always seems like our kids are the ones who act like maniacs in public and are kind of embarrassing. And, and things that we thought we would have accomplished in life by now just kind of seem like silly, childish dreams. We just feel like a, uh, feel like a failure. We see, feel so frustrated by our constant struggles and things don't go the way we want them to. And, and, and we, we've got our own obvious character flaws that we can't seem to overcome. And life just just, it just feels hard. It doesn't feel like we thought it was going to. And in our dark moments, we kind of wonder, like, why would anyone love me? The more we compare ourselves to others, we realize we're not, uh, we, we don't measure up to what's cool, what's acceptable, and so we must not be loved. But I want to encourage you that, that God says you are loved. It says, for God so loved the world. That means he had great affection, great care for the world that he made. And the, the, the world there means all of humanity as a whole, means, means everybody. And what's crazy about it is not only do we not measure up to what the world's standards are, we don't even come close to meeting God's standard. We are all fallen, rebellious sinners. All of us, Scripture says, have fallen short of the glory of God. What that means is that like, none of us really loved God. We were never seeking God. It's not, some, I hear people say that sometimes, like, well, I've always kind of believed in God. I've always kind of loved God. That's not true. We, we hated God. We were rebellious sinners. We didn't want God. Every time we sinned, we were essentially saying, yeah, you know what, God, I know you say that I should do it this way, but I think I know better than you, and I'm doing it my way. I don't need you. I don't want you. That's what we told him. And yet, despite that, God still loves us. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we've done nothing to earn it or to be worthy of it, God loves fallen humanity, including you. He made you and, and he loves you. And it's not just like this sentimental love because he thinks you're so cute and lovable. It, it, it really is he's moving f- toward you in this great affection, this great care for you, despite who you are and what you've done. And, and if that sounds kind of offensive to you, you're like, why, why you got to talk to me like that? I, I hope that you actually hear that as the greatest news in the world because what that means is you don't have to measure up. What that means is it doesn't matter what your profile looks like. It doesn't matter how impressive your resume is. It doesn't matter what kind of a background or what kind of family you come from or, or how many times or how badly you've messed up. God has proven that he loves you. How? We'll look at what it says. For God so loved the world. That word so could actually be translated in this way, which means what he's saying is here's how God loved you and the rest of the world. He gave his only son. All right, kiddos, that leads us to our second uh, gospel truth. Make sure you get this one if you're taking notes. All right, want to get that treat. Here's our second gospel truth then that we see. God's love was costly. God's love was extremely costly. The text says that he, he gave, and, and the sense of his uh, giving is, is this emphasis on uh, the sacrifice. Like he's relinquishing, he's, he's, he's giving something up. Okay, so this is not like when you go out and buy a brand new present for somebody for Christmas that you've never owned 
yourself. Like you normally, like, like maybe there's some things that are sitting under the tree right now that you went and you got from the store, um, or, or hopefully there's going to be some things under the tree this week that you went out and uh, you didn't, you've never owned them. They're not yours previously, but you're going out and buying something brand new for somebody, okay? Not that, not that re-gifting is bad, okay? I want to be like really clear. It can be, um, uh, in fact, I, I was actually thinking about that this week. Um, I remember Carissa and I are, are going to be celebrating uh, next Sunday, 13 years of being married. And um, yeah, praise God. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I remember one of our wedding presents 13 years ago, somebody uh, decided to re-gift us and give us a fondue pot uh, for a wedding present. And I'm I don't think we've ever actually used fondue in, in our household, but we decided, we, we opened this thing up, and uh, the problem with this is, not only was it used, but it wasn't even washed. So don't do that, okay? Uh, it's okay to re-gift, okay? Like, I get it. Sometimes you're, like, watching presents being opened, and you're like, don't take the tags off of that, because you're thinking, like, I probably don't even want that. We're just going to give that to somebody else, okay? Like, it's okay, but normally the way we do this is we go out and we, we buy something brand new from the store. Uh, so we, we order something from Amazon, and a lot of times it's something that you really wouldn't even be interested in yourself, but, but you know that it's something that would be meaningful to them. And, and so really, in some ways, it doesn't have a whole lot of value to you, but you give it to them anyway. God's gift is not like that. God's gift here was something of extreme value to himself. I think about it this way. There are some things that belong to me that you really wouldn't want me to give to you. Like, I have um, the last little bit of a Chick-fil-A peppermint milkshake um, there's really not a whole lot left here, but maybe, maybe a little bit of, I mean, you can get something out of that. But, uh, you, like, what if I were to offer this to you and, uh, and, and, and give this, like, Merry Christmas. This is yours. How many of you, just curious, how many of you would, are, are totally grossed out by straw germs? You're like, I ain't touching that. That's disgusting. Like, and, and, and uh, uh, like, I, you, you, can just, you can just keep it, right? But there's always, like, one or, or two guys that are, like, it's worth it. Like, I'm not afraid of that, Okay. Uh, just consider the fact, though, that it's a Sunday morning, so obviously I did not get this today, so you have no idea how old this is, okay? That's kind of gross. So, like, you wouldn't want me to give this to you. But what if I were to offer you my minivan? Okay, so that's a bad example. What if I were to offer you my entire bank account? Like I was, like, or, or, or my Ohio State Buckeyes jersey, like, I, like something of real value. Obviously then you'd be like, oh uh, yeah, like give me that, right? And I'm not gonna give you my minivan, I'm not giving you my Ohio State Buckeyes jersey because uh, like, even though I have two of them, I'm just not that generous. I'm not doing that. But I want you to consider the, 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 the way that God is giving here. He is generously giving something of extreme value to him. He's giving his only son. He didn't hold back. He gave what was most valuable to him. In fact, uh, Romans chapter 8, I've got this for you on the screen. I want you to see this. Here's what Paul says. He says, he do, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I'm like, I can't even imagine what that must have been like, that he gave his son. The text says he gave his only son, which really means he was, he was unique, like there's no other like him. 
that, 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 that the, the Son, Jesus, was God. In fact, John's already told us that he was with the Father in the beginning in John chapter 1. Then he also told us that he existed in this loving, glorious relationship with the Father before the foundation of the world in John chapter 17. So, so, so here he is, the eternal Son of God, but the Father gave him to us. What, what, what does that mean? Well, it actually means that he sent him. In fact, you can, you can see that. If you're right here in the text, you, you look down at verse 17. Um, you, you see Jesus kind of explains what that means. For, for God did not send, there it is, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus knew that he had been sent on a mission to save fallen humanity. And so what we see wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger is the humility of the eternal son of God living sent. This baby is on a mission. But Jesus did not just come to be born so that we could revel in the wonder of the nativity. He came to die so that we could rejoice in the splendor of heaven. The Father sent his Son to us so that he would die on the cross in our place. That was God's plan. In fact, Isaiah chapter 53 actually makes it really clear. That was God's design. It was, it was his idea. It was his will to crush his son under the wrath of his judgment against sin. Jesus stepped in and he took our place. And so Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 5. I've got this one for you here. Paul says God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, God's love is so costly. You and I could never pay the debt of sin that we owed, and so Christ paid it for us, but it cost him his life. I've been, this year I've been praying, there's a, there's a prayer that I've been praying and and. I actually stole this from Pastor J.D. Greer, just something that I've been trying to get my mind around and, and, and really come to grips with uh, the implications of this. And, and, and the prayer is just saying, Lord, I want to measure your compassion by the cross. I know that God has compassion on you and that he cares for you and he loves you. Because he sent his own son to die for you. For the sins of the whole world. And so for us, the manger is a gift with meaning because of the cross. And, and, and when we look at what Jesus' cross really accomplishes, then it becomes personal, which leads us to the, the third gospel truth. All right, kiddos, here it is. Here's the last one. Make sure you get this. Here's our, our gospel truth this morning. Because of the cross, God's love offers you eternal life. It's eternal life. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Life. Notice, he offers that to whoever believes, which really points back to the fact that God loves the whole world, all of fallen humanity. This is now an open invitation. God is not discriminating. 
God, God, God is not partial to people who like speak English or, or, or people who grew up in the church or, or people who look impressive and have a lot of potential or the people with the best personality or, or, or people who uh, don't mess up and seem like they have it all together and the, the people who don't have skeletons in their closet and who somehow kind of avoided the really bad sins. No, no, no. This offer is for everybody. No matter who you are or what you've done, it's for the worst of the worst. That God loves sinners. Okay, let's, let's be clear on this, okay? Um, God loves sinners. But uh, his love for sinners does not mean that everybody just gets to go to heaven and live with him forever as if your sin doesn't really matter. Our sin is an offense and it separates us from a holy God. Romans 3 tells us that, that the wages of sin is death. In fact, we see that right here in the text in, in verse 16. John 3, 16 tells us, if you don't believe, you will perish. You're going to perish, which means you're going to stay under uh, con condemnation. You're going to remain condemned. And we really see that in verse 18. He kind of clarifies. He says, whoever does not believe is condemned already. We stand condemned. We are doomed to face God's judgment and his wrath for eternity because we're sinners and we deserve it. And that's not really good news, is it? But, but it actually helps us understand and appreciate why the gospel really is good news. That his love for sinners is a love that is moving towards you with an invitation so that you could experience an even deeper love. That you could actually be adopted as sons and call him your father. And then have the joy and the assurance that you are going to live with him for all eternity. Listen, you don't have to face death. You don't have to face judgment. That doesn't have to be the end of your story. You can know that you're going to live with God forever. Now, now let me clarify, because some, some of you may, may hear that, and you're kind of like, I'm not sure that I really want to do that, okay? So let, let, let's just be clear that that, that doesn't mean that we're going to be like, floating around on clouds, playing harps, uh, and, and, and we've got to do that. For, you're like, oh my goodness, we've been here for 30 minutes. Like, we've got to do this for all of eternity? Like, that sounds so boring. Like, I don't want any part of that. No, no, no. Psalm 16 says, in God's presence, there is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. There is literally nothing more glorious, more exciting than getting to know and enjoy God. In fact, Jesus actually says that. John chapter 17, he says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. There's nothing that you've ever experienced that even comes close to comparing with what that's going to be like to get to know God. We, we, we get to explore the depths of his infinite greatness and just keep getting to know him. And he's not like us. And so there's never going to be a point where we, we exhaust him and, and we get to the bottom of it and we're like, well, I guess that's it. There's, there's nothing left. No, this is going to continue forever in one grand adventure that just keeps getting better and better and it never ends. This is life beyond your wildest dreams. And what he's saying is that invitation is available to the whole world. Whoever believes in him. Now note, it's only for those who believe. But he's offering it to you. 
that you would believe that he is who he says he is and that he died on the cross in your place and you trust him. You know, you know, don't trust in yourself. This, this is not like I've, I, I've, I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to clean up my act and kind of hoping that I've done enough good to outweigh the bad. It's, just, it's not how it works. It, it, it means that you admit I'm a sinner. I deserve God's judgment. I deserve God's wrath. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross in my place, and I'm trusting in what he did to save me. And the text says, whoever believes will have eternal life. And so I just want to encourage you, this Christmas morning, you're going to be getting together, you're going to be uh, opening some presents together, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I want you to, uh, when you're opening those gifts, I want you to consider and just be so thankful that God has offered you the gift of eternal life through the gift of his son. Amen. Father, I pray that you would uh, encourage us this Christmas. We love what we've seen, the things that we've considered. We're thankful for what you accomplished. We're thankful that you came. And Lord, I pray that we really would worship you and delight in you. And for those of us who really do know you, as Savior, that this Christmas we'd be reminded again of what that really means that you came. And, and while we're praying, nobody's looking around, we just close our eyes, and, and, and I just want to talk to those of you, maybe, maybe somebody in here right now this morning is saying, I don't know that I've ever done that. I've never trusted in Jesus to save me. I want to encourage you to believe this morning. If you say that, I want to do that, then right where you're at, in the quietness of your heart, you don't even have to pray it out loud, but would you just do business with God right now? And you can just pray quietly right where you're at. And just confess to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve judgment. But I believe that your son Jesus came and he died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. He took my place. Please save me. The scripture says that if you believe, you have eternal life. That's such an awesome truth. So Lord, I pray right now that we would celebrate what we have in Jesus and what you accomplished for us pray that we would give you the glory that you deserve. There's no God like you to think that we are going to spend all of eternity getting to know you, running deeper and deeper into an experience of you. And it'll never grow old. It'll never get boring. It's going to get better and better. We give you praise for that, Lord Jesus. We look forward to your coming again. And because we're looking forward to your coming again, this week we celebrate that you came pray that you get the glory that you deserve in Jesus' name.